If you love God and want to serve him, then you should be asking, how can I give to God? How can I give to you, Lord, for all that you've given to me? David said, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? So in asking this question, I'm going to give you two questions that I believe scripturally, biblically, the Lord is asking you to help you answer your question on how you can give back to him. Let's open up the scripture here. I'm in Mark 10 verse 17. This is the story of the young rich ruler. And I believe that you're going to see this story in a new way that you've never seen before. So in Mark 10, 17, amen, this channel is for anyone who loves the word of God and knows that the word of God heals your soul and gives you wisdom and instruction. So we get in the scripture here, Mark 10, 17. Now, as Jesus was going out in the road, one came running, knelt before Jesus and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the young rich ruler answers Jesus and says, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at the young rich ruler, loves him and says to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So the first question I believe the Lord is asking you is what do you lack? Jesus is not calling you to give away all of your possessions. He's not calling you to give away all of your resources. Jesus is asking you, what do you lack? Because the story of the young rich ruler isn't about what the young rich ruler had. It was about what he lacked. What did he lack? He lacked a wholehearted devotion to God. Jesus wants all of you. And sometimes your giving doesn't look like you giving away all of your money. It looks like you giving up something. It looks like you giving up what is taking away from a wholehearted devotion to God. It may be video games. It may be you binging Netflix. If there is something that you lack, that is preventing you from having a full-hearted devotion to serve God because you can't play video games and binge Netflix for hours when your family is headed straight to hell and you're not even praying for them and you say that you fear God. Hallelujah. This message isn't to strike fear into you and have worry for your family. Trust that God's got your family. Trust that your family belongs to God, but are you interceding for them? You know the power of prayer and are you praying for them? Are you living in full obedience to God? Here the young rich ruler 
He lacks a wholehearted devotion to God. And what's keeping him back from this? It's his possessions. He loves his possessions and all of his wealth more than he loves Jesus. So sometimes our giving, it doesn't look like me giving something to God. It looks like me giving up something, right? It looks like me surrendering something so that way I can give God more of my heart, more of my attention, more of my mind, because you know what God wants from you? He wants all of you. The first and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I got one more question for you, and then I'm going to give you three promises that God promises to give to you when you give to him. And there's one extra promise that Jesus has here for the young rich ruler. Allow me to finish this story. Verse 23, Jesus looks around and says to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. That's a whole word in itself. Whatever it is that you're seeking to accomplish for God, for his glory, whatever it is that you want to do, whatever it is that you need, know that with God, all things are possible. Nothing is too hard for God. God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 32, I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me. But Peter began to say to Jesus, see, see Jesus, we left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So Jesus leaves a promise here to his disciples saying, hey, that if you have left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or a field, a workplace, uh, an environment, a land, something that you are tending not for God, that doesn't truly glorify him. If you have left this, there is a promise for you that you shall receive a hundredfold in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. This was the promise that the young rich ruler needed. Some of you, God is calling you to leave brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children 
or a work environment where you make 100K a year, but it's dead and you know that God has called you into ministry. But right, discern these words, right? Test my words. Don't just hear what I say and take and go do it because some of you, God has called you into these high positions and he wants you to be there to be an influence. And your surrender does not look like walking away from that, but your giving and your surrender looks like praying over your work environment. It's looking like, how can you serve these people that are around you? So God gives a promise to you that when you leave things behind, there's a blessing chasing after you. When you leave things of this world, things that God does not want you to pursue, even though it may be a wife. And this is not a call to divorce because what God has joined together, let not man separate is what the scripture says. But sometimes this calls like, giving your wife less time, giving your significant other less time, and giving God more time because he is the God of the universe and he is worthy of your time. He is worthy of your every moment. Hallelujah. So the first question is, what do you lack? David, the shepherd, the king, the prophet said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want meaning that God is my leader of my soul and I shall not lack any good thing because God is with me. The second question God is asking you is found in Mark 6, 31. Jesus says to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So they they departed to a, a secret place in the boat by themselves. But the multitudes saw Jesus and his disciples departing, and many knew Jesus and ran there from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to Jesus. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. Jesus was moved by compassion. It was compassion that moved him and compelled him to do what he did. It was compassion that moved Jesus to give so radically. It was compassion that moved Jesus to continue to do healings and miracles and deliverances and travel great distances, even though he was weary, even though he was taught tired. It was compassion and his love for his father that moved Jesus to the cross, even though he was sweating blood, and even though he did not want to go. Jesus has compassion. So when you're giving, you should be moved by compassion, not moved by self-gain or self-interest or self-promotion, but it should be a move of compassion within you. So Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw that they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things, many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to Jesus and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. God says, you give them, right? You feed them. It's your time to give. As a child of God, it's your time to give. 
It's your time to sow into the kingdom. Give to God. Give to people out of the compassion that he has placed in your heart. If he hasn't given you compassion for certain people, certain environments, then don't give. That's okay, right? Sometimes it's you cutting off people. It's you separating yourself from environments. It's you consecrating yourself and not giving yourself to those people because the word says, don't cast your pearls onto swine, right? You're not called to give to to some soil that's rotten and it's not going to receive your good seed. I pray that God gives you the eyes to discern the soul, to discern the heart, to discern the times and to discern your season that you're in. So that way you can give properly to how God wants you to give. But here Jesus says, you give them, right? You give them something to eat. And they said to Jesus, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? This is what most people say. They say, I don't have that much money in my bank account. Shall I go and give him $20,000, his whole college tuition? Shall I go and give all of this, right? Shall I give a house when I I live in, you know, a single person uh, apartment that I share with three other people in one room? Is that what you want me to give God? But no, Jesus says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. The second question God is asking you, when you ask, how can I give to God? God is asking you, what do you have? He says, go and see, go and look. What do you have? Has he given you talents, skills, abilities, use them to expand the kingdom of God. Has he made you a creative artist? Use it to expand the kingdom of God. Has he given you just a little bit of extra time? I know that God has given us all time, right? There is time. There's 24 hours in a day. We all have the same amount of time. If God has given you some time, give it back to him. Start there. Give to him in the secret place. Give to him your prayers. Offer him the incense of prayer. Offer him the the sacrifice of righteousness. Offer him prayers in the secret place to pursue him, to go after him in the secret place. Offer him that and give that to him with all of your heart. Because God has given you time. So God is asking you, what do you have? Go and see. Hallelujah. Three ways that God will bless you when you give to him scripturally. This is all Bible. This is all scripture. I ain't asking you things that God won't ask you. I ain't giving you anything that God will not give to you here in his word. Malachi 3 verse 8 to 10. God is talking to a a, a corrupt nation full of corrupt priests, right? Even the people of God, the priests, the Levites were living in corruption and they weren't honoring God with their sacrifices or with their giving. And this is what God says. And this is a word not to invoke fear into you, right? If, If there's a spirit of fear coming upon you when you read the word of God, that is not from God. That may be the enemy twisting God's word to manipulate you, right? That may be a spirit of witchcraft, which is manipulation, domination, intimidation to control you away from the will of God. If you get convicted, then praise God, right? Conviction is something that we love that uh, pushes us to change and transform for the glory of God. But religion 
condemns. Religion points the finger at you and looks at you and condemns. So you should not have an ungodly fear. But if the fear of the Lord strikes you, which is a reverence and a respect, and you say, I got to get right with you, God, I love you so much. I know that you gave the blood of your son on the cross for me, then praise God. Let it be so. So there's three promises here for you when you give to God. And a caveat in this is that we don't give to receive from God. That is not our intention from giving. But when you are obedient to God, he will bless you. That's scriptural, biblical promises. Malachi 3, verse 8. God says, will a man rob God? And you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Wow. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Hallelujah. It gets better. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Hallelujah, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. The first promise that God promises you is that there will be food or resources to do God's work. There will be food to provide for your family. There will be food to pay rent. There will be food, resources to do the work that God has called you to do. When you give to God, he will give you food. He will give you resources. He will give back unto you everything that you need to do in order to accomplish his work. And he challenges you and says, try me in this, right? Try me, prove me. God says, prove me wrong, right? You cannot prove God wrong. God is not a man that he should lie. He is faithful. Number two, as he will put you in a position to receive great overflowing blessing. When you give to God, he will put you in a position where there is so much blessing it's too much for you to even receive. This is how good God is. You cannot outgive God. Give to God and he will bless you. He says he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So if you're seeding good words or if you're planting seeds, which are good words in other people's mind, God will give to you. If you're giving out of your finances to other people to provide for his kingdom, God will give back into your bank account. You cannot outgive God. Wow. Praise God. Number three, promise that God has for you when you give to him is that he will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I believe in the enemy. I believe in the devil, the adversary that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy like the word says. And he is a devourer. He's coming to dry up your land, to dry up your crops. If you work for God, he is coming to destroy the good things that God has given you. But Jesus promises, God promises in his word, 
that he will rebuke the devourer. He will shut his mouth and destroy the devourer, rebuke him and send him away. So that way, those rodents, those pests cannot come into your field and take your crop and your vine shall not fail to bear fruit for you. Praise God, give to God, and he will give to you more abundantly than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. Try him in this. God bless you. Thanks for supporting, and I will see you very soon. If this message spoke to you, drop something in the comments, chat with me. I read every comment, and I will get back as the Lord leads. God bless you. Bye-bye.